0: Praise the Lord. Looking forward to bringing the word of God this morning and uh, continuing on with the theme that we've been considering uh, which relates to the fullness of God being complete and all the various aspects that we've considered up to this point. So, I trust that God's going to continue to speak to us in developing this thought, in continuing on with this thought we're looking at all the various aspects and elements and really I'm just touching on a few. There's, it's inexhaustible in really in so many ways as we refer to the scriptures. But God wants to open our understanding and to show us uh, just exactly all that he has for us and ultimately what we are required to do in order to um, lay hold of that and possess it for ourselves. Praise the Lord. So, the theme that I want to consider with you this morning is found in the book of Colossians chapter 1. We'll go back to the book of Colossians but chapter 1 this time. And there's a particular phrase and there's a number of words that we're going to consider in a moment but there's a particular phrase that we find Paul the Apostle as he writes and he uses and um, he, he, he uses this phrase presenting every man perfect in Christ Jesus, presenting every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And so, when we hear that word perfect, we kind of all understand that um, it's something that we, in and of ourselves, cannot attain to. But we have to define, first and foremost, what we talk about when we talk about the word in the text, that which will be to be perfect, to be presented perfect. In Christ Jesus, there are various Christian doctrines that have floated around over the years that have been of much debate in relation to Christian perfection and and so forth, and how it all various aspects of theology fit into the Christian experience and the Christian life practically. But nevertheless, we find this expression that we would be presented perfect in Christ Jesus. And so, it's there, it's something that we need to consider, it's something that we need to look at because I am convinced, as I've stated in many occasions, that that God's fullness for the child of God is something that we have inherited but yet it is something that we must possess for ourselves in order to progress uh, to that place, if you want to call it, of perfection in Christ Jesus that we find referred to in our text. Now, let me say it from the onset, when we talk about this, rather when we talk about perfection in the scripture, we're talking about Christian maturity, we're talking about spiritual growth, we're talking about uh, entering into that fullness that is in Christ, that we would grow into that. You see, it's important because I think Colm read that uh, statement uh, from uh, A.W. Tozer this morning, where he was making that emphasis of being made perfect, if you want to use that phrase, in the inner man, strengthened in the inner man so that despite outward circumstances, despite the realities of life as they are are around us, inside and in a spiritual man, we stand firm, we have faith, we stand in the fullness, we possess that fullness, glory to God. And so this issue of being presented perfect is critical in the context that of what we are talking about. Now, that leads to the question, how then is it obtained? How do we obtain that? And this is where our text lays down for us what I believe are some critical and crucial elements that are associated in the process by which we are to be presented perfect in Christ Jesus. And again, this is not exhaustive, but I believe that Paul the Apostle is touching upon some very fundamental aspects And when you consider what's in verse 28 and 29 alone, there is a complete revelation, a complete understanding of some of the processes that that are involved in that process of bringing us to perfection in Christ Jesus. We understand that ultimately it lies in the power of God at work in us. You see, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And so, there is our hope that the God who has begun that work will perfect it. He will complete it. He is intent on bringing us into that place as Paul the Apostle is and as we will consider some things this morning. But again, I want to make this emphasis and that is in light of the fact that God is the initiator, God is the worker God is the perfecter, God is the, the one that works in us and through us. At the end of the day there is that aspect of human responsibility. There is that aspect even as I stand here as a man of God, as a pastor to preach the word of God, I have a responsibility before the Lord that equates and is part as of this process as we will see as it relates to Paul the Apostle in our text. And so, there's, there's God works through men and we have a responsibility to God if we are going to embrace, uh, possess and uh, uh, attain to the perfection that is in Christ. Glory to God. So, let's read our text. Colossians chapter 1. We want to look at verse 28 and 29 together. Hallelujah. Let's just pray. I ask, O oh Lord, that you would just anoint me, God, to preach your word this morning. God, we're not just talking words here. God, we are talking, Lord God, your spirit that would anoint the words that are spoken. Your word is spirit and it's life. And I pray, God, that you would quicken truth to us. Lord, give us revelation. God, bring us into that perfection that is, is uh, that you desire us. Do enter into as your people. God I pray anoint me to preach this word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians chapter one verse twenty eight. The Bible says that him we preach, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labour, striving according to his working which works in me mightily, praise the Lord. You see, just in this phrase alone from Paul the Apostle is a wealth of revelation for us to grasp and understand in the process by which God works in us. You see, Paul is just, we didn't read verse 27, but he has just made revelation of the fact that the, the glory of the, the richness of the glory of the mystery of is this, is Christ in us. Christ in us. That is the foundation, Christ in us. And that is the foundation that must be laid. We know that. Paul talks about this into the Corinthians. And so, in verse 28, He says it's him we preach, him we preach. It's got to be Christ. You see, we think about preaching Christ to the sinner and rightly so because the sinner needs to understand Christ and the purpose of Christ and the redemption of Christ and all of those things. But when Paul says him we preach, he is talking about the Christian, he's talking to the child of God, he's talking about the people of God. You see, it's one thing to be uh, standing here and telling you about the Christian life, what you need to do and what you don't need to do and all of those things, but you see, what we need is we need to be preaching Christ this morning. Him we preach because when we begin to examine the Bible and we see Christ here, Christ there, Christ in his holiness, Christ in his grace, Christ in his mercy, we see Christ in all that he has revealed to us. Uh, we are we, we get a revelation of him and our heart is moved and uh, is motivated by a sincere love to want to please the Lord, to want to serve the Lord, to want to have all that he is. Glory to God. Him we preach There is no other, amen, name under heaven that we must be saved and in the context of the Christian life if we're going to be presented perfect in Christ Jesus then we must have a revelation of Christ in a much more fuller, deeper and real way which is what Paul is talking about. Remember Christ is, as I've said before, the promised land. And if we're going to enter into the promised land, if we're going to enter into the fullness of God, then I must declare him, him I must preach because once you have Christ, you have everything. Glory to God. So, what we find in this particular text in verse 28, it's very interesting, the approach that Paul the Apostle employs as to how he will go about this particular ministry. And so, he talks about this in verse 28 when he says, him we preach and he uses this particular word, warning every man, warning every man. Now, think about that for a moment because um, in the process of being made perfect, Paul is referencing to the fact that we must be warned. Now, this is an interesting word, isn't it? We're all familiar with what it means to be warned. We've, we know it, we've heard it, we've been warned many a times and we've warned others many a times. But yet in the, in, the, in the scripture, Paul's making reference to it in such a way that it is pivotal in the process of being made perfect in Christ. You see, warning every man, warning every man is significant and it is imperative to the development of the Christian. Now, why would Paul warn? Why does the Scripture refer to warning? Well, again, it is for this reason: because when it comes, when, when the Christian life comes down to it, and the fact is, as much as I can stand here and teach about and preach about God, as much as parents can instruct t- children about God, at the end of the day, we cannot coerce, we cannot force, we cannot control. Sometimes we'd like to, <laughs> I can confess that. But you see, we understand that at the end of the day as, 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 as uh, children get older and as we as, as children of God, at the end of the day we cannot control. And so if we can't control, if we can't um, force in these particular issues and God won't do that, neither should we but yet to, Uh, what we find is the issue of warning is very, very important because it reveals the fact that we must choose for ourselves because there is a human responsibility. There must be a human response. There must be an engaging of the will. There must be choices that you and I have to make and because we can't, no one else can make them for you, you uh, uh, the way in which God moves us or te- and teaches us is that he gives us a warning about various aspects of the decisions we make and how they will affect us and what the outcome will be and so forth. So, warning is a great mechanism, it's a great tool that is used by God. In the book of Acts, if you can turn to Acts chapter 20, you'll find that (coughs) Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders and he has been with them for three years and he has been teaching them, he's been instructing them in the word of the Lord and laying the foundation of Christ and he uses... Uh, uh, again, interesting words as he says in verse 31 of Acts chapter 20, he Mm -hmm. exhorts them, he says, Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Now, think about that. I mean, he, he even uses the expression with tears. I have not ceased, in the the time that I've been here, I have not ceased to warn everyone night and day with tears because he wants them to understand, he wants them to see, he wants them to have not only a comprehension but this is what is required, this is what we need to do if we are going to uh, possess, if we're going to live in the fullness of God, if we're going to walk in the ways of God, if we're going to fully please him. And so he has warned them night and day with tears. And it's interesting, we're not going to go into this, but I'll read it for the sake of it. In verse 32 he says, Now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. See, right there is in essence what I'm talking about. uh, He he understands he has a part to play in this process. He says, I have not ceased to warn everybody. But now he's departing, so he says, I'm commending you to God and the word of his grace because it's the word of God ultimately and it's the grace of God working in through our lives that will bring about a building up, he says. It will build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified because just because we might be positionally sanctified in Christ, that doesn't mean we are being presented perfect in Christ. In one sense we stand perfect positionally but in the experience of Christian faith, in the experience of the reality of walking with the Lord, we have to be perfected as we will see, as we will continue to examine this particular issue. So, this asks the question again, what does it mean to be warned? I want to just focus on this a little bit because the truth is, and let's be honest with ourselves, we don't like to be warned, do we? <laughs> if someone is warning you on, partic- on a particular issue or a particular choice or a particular decision, or way of life, uh, we generally, you know, oh well, very much appreciate, thank you. Well, maybe we do if we take heed and we receive the warning. And because we can learn from being warned or like a lot of people are being carnal and flesh and our our Adamic nature, we don't like to be warned because we don't like to be told. And, you know, we know better. Who do you think you are to warn me or to tell me? And so there are various reasons because, uh, but especially we find this attitude for those that are young, isn't it? You know, because as you're growing up, children, you know what, you just realise that when you're young you know everything. And you've just come to the realization your parents know nothing. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> you see, that's not how it works. You see, the reason why parents warn their children is because they have experienced a few things, because they have learned a few things, because they do know a few, a few things, and especially when it comes to the Word of God, uh, they and they in, instruct you. Then it would be worthwhile to heed. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what we're like human nature is like. We don't listen and then, and then what happens is it ends up happening just as the person or someone has told us. Have you ever had that happen? And what's the first thing that people generally say? I told you so. I told you so. Didn't I tell you? And so y- you know how it works. But I I use it as an example because it highlights for us uh, uh, what it means to warn. You see, you might not be, when we talk about defining what a a warning is, some of us might not be uh, fully familiar with it and when you look at it in the Bible and the text and in the Greek and in the Word of God, what you find is the word warn literally means this, to put in mind. So what? When 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 I'm warning you, when the Word of God warns us, when parents or or whatever the situation is, when we are being warned, what God is doing is He's putting something into our mind, so that later when when um, uh, uh, we reap what we sow, we can't turn around and say, "I didn't know." I didn't know. You did know because it was put into your mind. It was. In, you were told. You were warned. That this will lead to this, and that will lead to that, and this is what you need to do in order to walk worthy before the Lord. And so, Paul says, I, I, "I warned, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears." And it's, and I thank God that He puts with tears there because I'm not the most emotional person, okay? But I am emotional, at least I think so. But you see. It's easy, you can warn someone but not have the right disposition of heart, can't you? you know. I told you so. You, know, that's the, you don't want to hear that because you already know. You know what you've done wrong. You know why that's happened. You understand. Yes, you're silly. So, you don't need someone to stand in and say, I told you so. It's a matter of, uh, Paul says, I've warned you night and day with tears, with the deepest of concern, with the deepest of love, with the deepest of affection. And so, we find here this revelation in the word of God but you see the whole issue of being warned has to do with making us accountable before the Lord making us responsible before the Lord because we we will make our own choices in life and so therefore we will reap what we sow these are the inevitable laws of God aren't they And even as Christians, thank God for forgiveness and thank God that he cleanses and thank God that he restores. But, you know, sometimes in life there can be consequences for for our sin. And uh, and so uh, we must understand uh, that how, uh, you know, and foresee where certain decisions and choices can lead us and take us. You know, in the Old Testament we find the, uh, example of warning. In the book of Deuteronomy, moved, you would have read it for yourself, but God is constantly laying down uh, the, the, the law of Moses and then he's, he's warning them. In other words, he's bringing an accountability to them that if you do this, you, this will be the result. If you do this, this will be the disobey. Then this will be the result. And so, he's warning them in advance. He's putting it into the children of Israel's mind that they would understand that if they do this, this is what will happen. You see, this, is a, this concept of warning is completely biblical. It's completely found in the Old and in the New as we're just considering and it is a valuable tool as part of teaching us and leading us to Christ and in the context of perfecting us in bringing us to maturity in Christ Jesus. Jesus was uh, he warned as well. If, uh, the Bible tells us that he warned of hell. In Luke chapter 12 verse 5, you would have read this, but you may not have picked it up. I know I didn't until I studied it. But in Luke chapter 12 verse 5, Jesus says, "But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him." And you might say, well, where's the word warn or warning in there? Well, it says, I will show you. That phrase, I will show you, is the exact phrase in our text where Paul talks about warning and Jesus is saying, I will put into your mind, I will show you whom you should fear, God. Putting God in, and that's why we say put the fear of God in you and put it into your mind, put it into your understanding, put it into your spirit and this is exactly what Jesus is doing. Now, in saying all of that, let me ask this question, is warning enough? No, warning is not enough, it is one part of the process by which God works with us and in which, as we are instructed and we are taught in the Lord, warning is very, very important. But the text doesn't just refer to, the, uh, uh, to being warned. Paul uses, he says in verse 28, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man. Warning and teaching. It's not enough just to warn. It's not enough just to be told what not to do, is it? You have to be taught. You have to be educated, you have to be informed, you have to begin to develop a knowledge and an understanding of God and the Bible so that you don't just do what needs to be done but you know why you do what you're doing. And so, it's warning and it's teaching every man. It's about a process of education, it's a process of teaching, not just instructing although it involves instructing but it's educating and the word in the Greek here uh, means to teach but it also refers to a prolonged form or in other words, we are consistently being taught, we are consistently being instructed, we are consistently uh, being taught various truths throughout the scripture over a process of time. And when we are being educated in the Lord, that means that we are being given uh, in a, from the biblical, in, in relation to the biblical side of things, we are given an, an intellectual understanding of the scriptures. Not that it's based primarily in intellectualism, but we have a comprehension, we, have a, we, we understand the morals and we understand the truths, we understand all the truths that surround the word of God from beginning to end and it is a constant prolonged form of teaching. And we never stop learning. Can you say amen? But you see, uh, this is how it works. It's interesting because, in, uh, in, again, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, this is how God taught the children of Israel to teach their children. He says in verse 7, You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. Or in other words, we're talking about educating, we're talking about teaching in the prolonged process of time that is from day to day. You see, especially in the context of parenting, yes, and in the context of church and ministry, these are imperative. But you see, we can't allow the system out there in the world to educate our children. I, when I send my kids to school they're there to learn how to read and to write they're not there to. now they want to tell them what they need to believe and how they need to believe and what, uh, how to live and all you know they, they want to tamper and I say you don't touch those areas And I teach my kids, and you have to reiterate this, especially in the times in which we live, you have to consistently be on top of this. You have to consistently, I'm talking daily, when you sit down, when you get up, as the scripture says, you are consistently teaching and warning as part of the process of maturing, aren't you? You have to have both at work. See, Paul in our text, he says, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. Oh, God, we need wisdom. <laughs> wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. It's knowing what to say and when to say it. And we need the wisdom of God because when the words of the wise are like well-driven nails, says Solomon. Because when you speak the right word at the right time, amen, it goes deep. And it, it goes where it needs to go, hallelujah. And so we have uh, uh, this aspect of we need wisdom in this process and Paul says, yes, sir, I need to warn, yes, I need to teach, but I need the wisdom of God to accomplish it and fulfil it and do it. You see, the whole issue of is, uh, is wisdom and then Paul says that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Present every man perfect. You see, there's a lot involved in presenting someone perfect in in Christ. It's it's not an automatic thing. When a person becomes saved, they're babes in Christ. The Bible says, desire the pure milk of God's word that you may grow thereby. And so now we're embarking on a process, just like a newborn child. It's not born an adult. It's born a baby, utterly dependent, screams when it wants something to eat and when it wants a snappy change. And, you know, we're, we're just there to feed it and, minis- and meet every need. But you see, we can't have them at 20 years old doing that, can we? No, we must bring them to a pro- through a process of maturity so we're, when they're older we can present them as adults and that means that they learn how to take responsibility because being 20 doesn't make you an adult. Being mat- responsible makes you an adult and maturity comes from Responsibility. And so, we teach them and we ultimately presenting them to become mature adults. Now, that's, the, that's uh, in, in the world. We're talking of in a similar principle in relation to Christ. This is the whole process of discipleship, educating, warning. It's a lot more than that, mind you. Some people, you know, that's why people think that it's just education and knowledge and Bible schools and so forth. That is just one little aspect in growing in knowledge. You know, the process of discipleship primarily is Paul says imitate me as I imitate Christ, learn from me and so he, he, there's a process of educating but they have to have living examples, there has to be a pattern that's being observed and so this all formulates part of that process but I'm not going to go into that now. We have also in Ephesians chapter 4, if you can turn there with me, we have the fivefold ministry gifts that we, we understand And Paul writes, and again, let's just take note of his words that he's using. But this is where I and others involved in ministry have an awesome and huge responsibility when it comes to this issue of presenting each man perfect in Christ. Look at verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. There it is again. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. We'll leave it there. But there we have verse 13, that we have the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. This is the same word that's being used in our text in Colossians, perfect. This is the whole aim of Christian living that we would come and attain to this place in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul says that I would present each man perfect in Christ and that word present literally uh, means to come alongside, to stand aside, to assist. I know that uh, we all uh, like to think of ourselves as independent but you know the truth is, is that we are interdependent, God's created us to be that way and especially as in the church we are to be dependent upon one another and in the context here Paul is saying that my ministry is to present each one perfect in Christ, to assist them, to aid them, to help them, to support them, to warn them, to instruct them, to educate them. You see, this is a, this is a, this is a difficult task, not an impossible task by no means, absolutely not, but nevertheless it's not something that's automatic, it's a process. And he says that to bring us to a place of perfection, to each one being perfect in Christ. Now the Greek word here for perfect, it literally means complete, but it has a very uh, a variation attached to it, and that which relates to labor or growth of mental and moral character. You see, last week we looked at the word complete in Colossians chapter two, verse nine ten, where it says, "You are complete in Him." That word complete means to be. Filled full. So, when we talk of complete as in perfect, it's a different word and being so this issue of being perfect is a, is a process, it's a process of being presented perfect in which we are being changed, we are being transformed. That's the whole emphasis of the scripture, isn't it? That we are growing, that we are maturing as Christians. That's why the word means to be of full age, mature, speaks of labour. You know why? Because it's not automatic. You know, they say when the kids are growing up, they've got aches and pains. They say, oh, it's just growing pains. Well, you know, in the Christian life, you'll get some growing pains too. Yeah. That's why we have the issue of trials and tribulations and and, uh, we look at sometimes the things we're going through and and as an older Christian, we can look at sometimes the brethren and, and we can have mercy because we know they're going through some growing pains. The Lord's trying to teach something. God, God's trying to show us something. He's trying to bring us to this place of being perfect in Christ Jesus. You see, what's also interesting is the word uh, the, uh, telios comes in the Greek comes from another root word which is telos in the Greek as well and it literally means this. It means a definite point or a goal, uh, the point aimed at as a limit. So, in other words, uh, there is a definite point or there is a definite goal in mind and so, and that is what we're growing towards, that's what we're growing into. And so, when Paul talks about being perfected, uh, in, he's saying in Christ, that we will be made perfect in Christ, that there is an end here. That's where he writes to the Galatians and he says, in whom I labour again until Christ is formed in you and he uses that word labour and that is a, a word that is exclusive to a woman giving birth and yet Paul is using it to express the, the, the agony of soul that he endures because here is the, we know the Galatians, they have gone now into error and he says, I will labour again. And he says, I will willingly go through that process and that struggle and I will, I will to present you, to assist you for that Christ would be formed. And so, that's the goal. It's Christ being formed. We are being conformed to the image of his son. <coughs> this is exactly what God is working towards in us. That's what God is aiming at. It's what Paul the Apostle is aiming at. It's what we need to be aiming at and so we must understand the work of God that is involved in this instance. You see, what's interesting is, the, and this is just something separate, but you know the Bible says that children are like arrows in the hands of the mighty. In Psalm 127, I think it is. Children are like arrows in the hands of the mighty. And so, in other words, we get to... As kids, we get to aim our children where we want them to go. We get to, you know, there's the mark. We, they're like arrows, we can pinpoint. That's where I want to lead my children. That's where I want to guide them. That's where I want to. And so we want them to become, uh, in the same sense, complete in Christ. And so God has an end in mind as well. When we become born again, when we become the children of God. God, uh, as children being arrows in the hand of the mighty, God's aim is that Christ would be formed in us, that we would be presented perfect in Christ, to the full stature of Christ. So, that's the aim. But let me say this, do we all attain to it? The answer to that question is sadly and unfortunately, in reality, no, not everybody does and that's something that grieves God in the same manner when he came to Israel and he says, oh as uh, uh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how i wanted to gather you but you were unwilling, you are unwilling and we'll touch upon some of these aspects next week. But you see, the point being is, is that we're not always attaining to this place of perfection or maturity as a Christian as we should turn to Hebrews chapter 5 and we'll see in verse 12 see Paul the apostle well the writer at least of Hebrews he says in chapter 5 and he's bringing a rebuke really to some of these Hebrew Christians for their failure And he says in verse 12, (coughs) For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, what is interesting is that word in verse 14 of full age is exactly the same word in our text, perfect. And this gives us further insight to what it means to be perfected in Christ. It's coming to a place of maturity in Christ. It's, it's, it's the development of the inner man. It's the development of the spiritual man. It's about living and walking in the spirit. And so we must come of full age. And the sad thing in, in Christian circles is those over the longevity of years, people who say, I've been a Christian for 20, 30 years and yet still they're in a place of infancy when it comes to Christ. It ought not to be so. See, that's a, that's, that's a sad picture that's not the will of God. Somewhere, somewhere something's failed and God doesn't fail. And so, we, we, and uh, again, we're going to touch upon some of these aspects next week, but nevertheless we find the intent and the purpose of God being highlighted here. You know, what's interesting too about the book of Hebrews, it incorporates the two aspects of our text, warning and teaching. Nine times in the book of Hebrews you find the word lest. Lest is a, is a form of warning, isn't it? Lest we fall short. Lest we did, lest this. And so there is a, there's a form of warning that is attached to the book of Hebrew but it's not just warnings that we find. We find also exhortation but we find very rich teaching in there, don't we? It's one of the most richest books of the New Testament, isn't it? To, to read this so you can be fully educated on various aspects of Christian faith and, and, and doctrine. And yet he says to them, there's more that I'd like to say but he says, I can't because you're still spiritual babies and you've become dull of hearing. So, how can you go on to perfection when you don't have an ear to hear? You see, solid food belongs to those who are of full age, those that are Perfect or complete. Now remember, not that you've reached perfection, but you are moving towards perfection. And look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Listen to what it says. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Let us go on to perfection. Again, this highlights. The, thing, the beauty about the book of Hebrews and is, is the theme of throughout the, all the Bible is we find the human element and the divine element. And Paul writes, or the writer here says that we need to let us go on to perfection. Or in other words, there are choices that you need to make. There is a disposition of heart and spirit that you need to possess. You need to be motivated. You need to choose. You need to make some choices and relevant decisions in your life to assist because you, we can we can hinder God, we can limit God in our circumstances. So, we need to go on to perfection and the word perfection here in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 means a completer, to finish and so we need to have a disposition that's working towards that end. But listen to me, we are of a clear understanding because in Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 2 it talks and it says that, let us look unto Jesus the author and finisher or completer, it's the same word, or perfecter of our faith. You see, it doesn't rest in our ability. It doesn't rest in us. It's not in us, I'm not talking about self-effort here, I'm not talking about somehow it's all dependent on our own strength, that leads us nowhere, I'm talking about us understanding, yes we have a responsibility but knowing full well it is God, amen, who must do the work. He is the author and the perfecter of my faith. When you begin to try and perfect your own faith you end up down the path of wherever, until the Lord teaches you to depend on him, that he is the the worker, he is the one that brings us to this place. And Paul the Apostle understood this, as we'll see in just a moment, but there's that divine aspect that is associated that he is the finisher, he is the perfecter, he's the completer of our faith. Go back to our text in Colossians because Paul understands this truth well. Paul says, he says, in verse 29, let me get to it. <coughs> it says in verse 29, to this end I also labour. Again, here's that word, I also labour. In uh, Galatians 4:19, uh, until I labour again. Paul is mindful of his part in the process and, and when you look at the word labour, it's no small part. Yeah, that word labor, as I've said, it, uh, it involves a, a hard, hard work. And he says, "Listen, he says, For to this end, I also labor, striving." He's even making a further emphasis upon his disposition. That word striving is the Greek word agno—I agon- don't know, but anyway, it means agony, to agonize. What is it, Sam? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> You see, and it means to struggle, it means literally to, uh, uh, to, to compete, it means to contend, it means to, to, to accomplish some, something, to labour fervently, to strive, to fight. There's an agony of soul that is related and you begin to realise when you raise children there's an agony of soul that comes upon you, Amen. Oh, God, we strive when we labour and they, and they get older and, uh, and, they, and we, we, we agonise because we see sometimes the vulnerabilities and choices and things and we agonise in our heart because we want to, we're labouring to present them perfect in Christ. We're striving towards that end. But you see, though Paul is labouring, though Paul is striving, though Paul says, I warned you night and day with tears. Even though Paul's highlighting the human element that is associated in this process, he's also acutely aware of the power of God that is at work in and through his life. Because he says, to this end I also labour, striving, he's striving with this mind, He's not just striving in and of himself, he's striving in the context that according to his working which works in me mightily. And so, in other words, that word working in the Greek is where we get the English word energy from. And so, he's saying in him there is a divine energy at work. It's not human zeal, it's not human energy, it's not human enthusiasm as we find so much in the church today but there is a divine energy that is working and facilitating Paul in his purpose to present each man perfect in Christ Jesus. He says it's active within me and according to his working which he works in me mightily and that word mightily is the Greek word dunamos, which means power. In other words, Paul is acutely aware that if someone's going to be perfected in Christ Jesus, it's not a work that he can accomplish. He has a process to play, he has a part to play and he knows exactly what it is. But he says, as I strive towards that end, God uses me to fulfil his divine purpose. God works through me. to to, to speak and to minister to others, to present them perfect in Christ Jesus. And he says it's his power, it is his energy that works in and through me mightily. You see, because one thing you begin to realise is that, you know, we talk about salvation, it's the power of God. We looked at this in the book of Romans, that we're in our study, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The word is dunamos. It's the power of God that saves us all. Salvation is not something that we achieve. It's not something that is, uh, we, we uh, attain to by our own effort or strength. It is an initiative of God. Yes, we have faith and we believe but the initiative and the work is God. But you see in this process of perfecting one into Christ Jesus the same power and the same miracle is required because at the end of the day I, I can only do so much. We can only do so much. We can't do it but God can and it is a miracle of God to bring his people to a place of maturity, to a place of perfection in him and as a uh, Paul being a preacher, being a vessel, he understands that the power of God, the energy of God is working through him mightily to accomplish that end and the people of God are being matured, the people of God are being perfected and when this is being when this is happening amongst the assembly of God's people what a joy especially as a as a pastor and as a teacher of God's word because you anyone that served the Lord in ministry long enough realizes hey I can't do this I can't do this even as parents we raise our kids to a point we've done what he can do but then you realize I can't do it in it there's only so much I can do it's a, now, it's a miracle of God in their heart, in their lives to bring them to that place. And so, thank God for his power. Thank God that if we're going to be perfected in Christ Jesus, it's not something that we, we have a part to play. Just like Paul the Apostle says, I labour and I strive according to the, uh, the working of his power. He understands what's at work in him. That's so important. And so, I pray that we, as we sit here this morning, we would understand this as well because God is perfecting each of us. Can you say amen? Are you perfect? Are you being perfected? Yeah, absolutely. And we must strive. We must work towards this end. Oh, well, I just sit back and let God. Yes, you must yield and you must submit. Absolutely. But then the Lord will... See, it's not what you do, it's why you do what you do. See, Paul was striving, Paul was labouring but he understood who was at work. It's when we labour in the flesh and we're ignorant of these divine truths that we run into problems. But when you work and you have the right foundation, you have a right understanding of how and why, then you can be effective in that process and you can work rather than against God, you can work with God to fulfil his purpose. And so, the Lord help us this morning because in saying all of this, this is really I'm sharing what the, my heart I'm sharing what the Lord has put upon my heart and that which I believe that he wants to do in our midst and I'm looking at this in all the various ways. But the Lord bless us this morning. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Him we preach, Him. And when we point to Christ, when we, when we look to Christ, You'll never fail, church. You'll never fail. God doesn't fail. Glory to God. Let's pray. Oh, thank you, Jesus. My God, we just bless your wonderful name. Father, I just thank you for the word of the Lord this morning that we can be edified, Lord, and understand the purpose and plan of God that you have for us in Christ Jesus and that we will be presented perfect, in Christ. That's your desire for each of us, Lord. And none of us can stand here and say that we are perfect in in that perfect sense. But that doesn't mean that we mustn't be striving towards perfection. It's important that we understand that we are to work with you, that we are to yield to you, that we are to bear the fruits of righteousness and holiness. Lord, I pray that we would walk worthy before you, fully pleasing you in all things. And God, I pray, continue to bless us, continue to open our understanding and above all, Lord God, I pray that your people would possess the fullness of their inheritance, that they would grow unto full stature, unto full stature, Lord, because that is your plan and purpose. Blessed be your name. Amen. The Lord bless you this morning. Well, (coughs) not